Please pray with me. Father, as we open up your word this morning, let us be receptive. Lord, help our hearts and minds to be focused, to receive by the power of your spirit the message you have for us, to challenge us, to inspire us, to direct and guide us, to give us light in a world that can be very dark. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus and for his honor and glory. Amen. Please be seated. Today, I want to talk about a subject that most people don't like. Aren't you glad you're here this morning? Um, There are a few crazy people who like this subject. My wife is one of them. Um, But there's very few of them because I want to talk about tests. How many of you like to take tests? Gosh, no hands went up. That's weird. (laughs) Yeah, that starts pretty young, right? I mean, from a very young age, we do not like to do that. And yet, life is filled with tests. We test things all the time, not just school tests, but we do something as simple as, and you might have even done this this morning. You checked the weather, but then before deciding if you were going to be the the big coat or the small coat, you might have stepped outside for a moment. Why? Why? You're testing it. What's it really like? Some of you might have done it this morning when you got your first cup of coffee and you wanted to make sure it didn't burn off a layer of your tongue because it was so hot. So you take a little sip to test it. We test things all the time. A new recipe, a new series on Netflix that a friend said, you got to check this out, it's so good. You test it. Why? You want to know if you like it. You want to know the truth. You want to know what it's really like. You personally want to know. So we test it. This morning, Peter wants to talk to us about tests. See, here's what happened in his letter. He was writing, as we looked at last week, on all of these wonderful things about salvation. Last week was this uplifting glorious. God has done so much when he saved us, and he's so worthy because of it. But the very last thing Peter says is, God is watching over us all the time. And here's where I feel like Peter, not as a theologian, not as somebody in the academy, but as a pastor, he said that. And then I think something in him, maybe the Holy Spirit, said, but what about all the people in the congregation who are suffering? Because you're talking about joy and God is always watching over you. And yet, I would be shocked if there is a person in this room that couldn't name something they're struggling with right now. And for some of you, the test is big. And so then Peter does what theologians call a digression. He goes away from his topic for a moment, but I think it's in a very pastoral sense. I think if Peter were here and you were going through something and he were giving you this message, he would sit down with you and he'd begin to talk to you as a pastor. And that's what I want to try to do this morning. 
I want to talk to you, not to give you a lot of theological truth, although I will, but as a pastor saying, yes, we all get tested, and it can be really hard. And Peter, Peter knows testing. If you read Peter's story, I mean, from his successes, when Jesus says to all his disciples, he says, all right, who do people say that I am? Well, they say this, they say this, they say this. And then he says, what do you guys say? And Peter goes, you are the Messiah. You're the son of God. I mean, he passed that test with flying colors. Then it turns around and immediately he goes, no, Lord. And Jesus has to go get behind me, Satan. Um, So he fails the test right afterwards. I mean, Peter has all of these tests, so he knows. He speaks from experience as he tells us this. If you want to follow along, we are in 1 Peter chapter 1. It is on page 1727 of the Pew Bible. 1727 of the Pew Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1. The first thing he's going to do as a pastor is give us some truth about testing. He's going to lay out just a couple of things. As if he says, before we dive into this, before we look at your specific testing, I want you to remember some general things about testing. And again, he says, I know. I've gone through testing. So remember these things. Verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice. That's last week. Uh, If you didn't hear the sermon, go listen to it online. If you need to hear it again, go listen to it online. But In all of those things we talked about, you greatly rejoice in these things. And now he's recognizing buts. Here's the first thing. Though now for a little while. Here's the first thing he would say to you about testing. They don't last. Remember, whatever you're going through, there is likely an end to it. And that end could be because it's resolved. It could be because time has brought some healing. It could be because you adjusted your life. And it used to be a trial. Now it's not. But what he says is, though for a little while. And I would say right now, as a pastor, if you look at all the things you've gone through, how many of those things are no longer the issue? Because they had their time. As a pastor, he says, just remember, I know this is tough. I don't want to minimize it. But you need to know there's an end. Though for a little while. Keep going. You may have had to suffer grief. Here's the second thing he would say. Your tests, they are real and they bring distress and that is okay. It's not a lack of faith. It's not like you don't care about God because what you're going through is causing you grief or distress. This word is a word that really talks about our mental state. And it says something like this. Imagine your trial were you lost a job. There's a very pragmatic thing to that, right? You need income. you got to figure out how to pay bills. you got to figure out what's next. But there's also a very psychological part of that that you stress out, that you wonder, how is this going to work? That distress, the sorrow, all of those things, he says, that's real. And that is okay. That is part of testing. Though you've had to suffer grief, 
in all kinds of trials. The third thing is this. We all have our own. And you shouldn't live your trial in light of somebody else's. There's a lot of different kinds of trials. But I think we are prone to do things like this. Maybe I'm going through something really, really bad, so then I minimize what you're going through because, well, yours is quite a bad, or the opposite. You start to think, well, I mean, golly, what you went through is horrible. I guess mine's nothing. No. Um, it may be less. It may be easier. It may not be as long. But, like, there's all kinds of trials. It may be a trial where you did lose something significant. It could be a job. It could be a friend. It could be a relationship. You may have lost something. It could be a trial where you're waiting for something. You're waiting for the diagnosis. You're waiting for the job to come. You're waiting for the answer. But you're in a period of distress. There's so many things that could be a trial. And he just says, look, whatever you're going through, it's okay. That's your trial. Let it be your trial. And the last thing, and I think the most important thing, he says, keep all of that in mind. But remember this, verse 7. These have come so that. And I'm going to stop there. These have come so that. Here's the most important thing you can remember about your testing. It has a purpose. Purpose is what Peter wants them to understand. Okay, they are going through some trials. And it's interesting, because he says all kinds of trials, it's probably not one overarching thing, like Nero persecuting everybody at once. It's not something like that. However, in that culture, because they're following Christ, they could lose inheritance. They could lose family. They could be kicked out of businesses. They could lose honor. But they're all going through different things. But one thing is true. Purpose lets us approach things differently and longer and with a different attitude than when we do not have purpose. I'll give you a simple example. If you've ever done something physical like maybe dieting or a marathon or something like that, where it got really hard at points, but the way you made it through is you kept reminding yourself, I want to lose this weight, or I want to run that thing. I've never done it before, and I know this is really hard, but I'm going to get through it. Purpose lets us go forward in ways that having no purpose doesn't. Let me show it to you a different way. For my next illustration, I will need two volunteers that I've already chosen. We're going to have a test of strength. My first volunteer is Joe, because it's a test of strength. Come on up, Joe. And I mean, you know, if we're going to have a test of strength, look at Joe. I mean, that's... And then going against Joe for this test of strength is Kira, my daughter. Come on up. All right, now I'd like each of you, to, one of you go on one side of the altar, the other one to go on the other side of the altar. And here is my test of strength. Joe, I'd like you to go first. I would like you to get on that side of the altar and lift it up. No, okay. All right, Kira, I would like you to get on that. Would you lift it up? As hard as you can. Come on. Oh, 
Okay. Joe, I would like you to go ahead and try and lift that altar up again, except I'm going to throw snowballs at you while you do it. Come on. Lift it up. Lift it up, Joe. No? All right. Kira, would you try it again? All right. I'm going to throw snowballs at you, too, while you're trying to lift it up. No, you still can't lift it up. All right. Joe, why don't you try it again? All right, fine. Kira, you want to do it again? Okay. All right. Well, you still can't lift it. And your hair did not catch on fire, Joe. So, Kira, why did you try it a third time when Joe gave up? You told me to outlast Joe and I went, so. <laughs> okay. All she had to do was outlast Joe. Um, here's what I want you to see. What I asked them to do was kind of ridiculous. And I didn't tell either one of them why. Why do I want you to lift that altar? Why am I throwing snowballs at you? I didn't tell them any of that. But one of them had a purpose, and she knew the purpose. And she was going to keep going until he gave up. Because all she knew is I had to outlast him. I don't even have to lift this thing up. I just have to outlast him. It's my purpose. That is what purpose does. And here's the thing. You guys can sit down. Um, I should probably pick up the snowballs. Um, oh, Stu, back at me. I deserve that. <laughs> Here's the thing about the tests you're going to go through. You will often have about as much of an answer as they had as to why I wanted them to lift the altar up. You are not always going to know why you are going through what you're going through. You're not going to know why that job was lost or why you're having to wait so long, or why you can't get that diagnosis, or why you got that diagnosis. You're not always going to know that why. However, Kira didn't need to know that why to keep going. She still had a purpose, and he gives us the purpose of our trials. I go back into the text. Back in verse 7. These have come so that... The proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He says, here's the purpose of your testing. Much like the tests we do now, they show us something. In this case, it shows us the genuineness of our faith as we trust God through our trials, even when we don't have answers. It not only shows us the genuineness of our faith, but he talks about this refining of gold, and he says that kind of refining process, it's actually happening when you're exercising faith. In fact, it's happening in a way that can't happen when you just talk about it or think about it. Because exercising faith is a refining, growing process that only happens when we do it. And in this case, it's of more value than gold because our faith goes into eternity. Even gold does not. Right? And, and here's what I mean. This, this is kind of to give you a picture of what I mean. Um, most of you know that about a month ago or so, maybe it's longer than that, um, Kira and I went to Colorado to visit 
colleges. And when we got to the Chicago airport, Kira had the job of navigating us from walking in the doors to our gates. Now, I don't know about you, but I still get confused in airports quite often, especially the big airports. But I was also thinking, I mean, she's 17. Like, she's going to have to do this stuff on her own at some point. And so, all right, it's your job. Take us through the Chicago airport and get us to our gate. And she did a great job. We only went to five wrong gates and almost got on a plane to South Africa. I mean, it was so close. She's going, what are you talking about? All right, she did it great. She took us from point A right to our gate. In fact, there was one point when I was telling her, I think we need to go this way. And she's like, I don't think so. And she was right. So, I mean, she did it so well. Doing that showed her two things. Number one, she could do this. And it showed, her to her in a, it showed it to her in a way she wouldn't have gotten just from like pulling out a map of the Chicago airport and like, oh, okay, so I went this way and this way. She had to do it. But it also gave her the experience of actually walking through and seeing parts of this airport, seeing all of the people and going, oh my gosh, there's a million places I could go, but okay, now I'm supposed to go here? And she went through it. The next time she does it, is she going to do it better or worse? Better. Because she knows now. That's part of the testing of our faith. It shows us the faith that we have, the ways we maybe are doing well or we need to grow, and there's no judgment in that. But it's showing it to us. But it also lets us actually walk through. So the next time, like, hey, you know what? When I was doing this, this is how God strengthened me and took me through this. Can I do this again? I've already done it. The genuineness of faith. That is the purpose. So as a pastor, he says to us, there's some truths about testing, right? Number one, there's a number of little things for you to remember, right? They don't last forever. Keep that in mind. They will not last forever. And it's okay that they bring distress. That's part of it. And whatever your trial is, that is okay too. Live your trial. Right? And that's really important because we have purpose. See, if I take my trial and either I minimize it or I make it so big that it's impossible for me to actually go through it and I just look, look down on everyone else because mine's so bad, I'm not really going to get what God is trying to get me out of this, what he's showing me as I live through it. Now, my final thing is this. What do we do with it? How do we live this? How do we put it into practice? And something he says next, which is really significant if you remember, so in John chapter 20, last week we read the story of Thomas. And when Thomas comes, he says, I am not going to believe unless I see it. And Jesus shows up. And he says, look, here's my side, here's my hands. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God, and he falls down in worship. But then Jesus makes this statement. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. And that applies to everybody in this room. It applies to probably the vast majority of the people that Peter is writing to. Maybe all of them. Peter, on the other hand, he walked with the Lord. He saw it. But he knows Jesus 
is not present in the same way he was present to them because he's not physically walking around with them. He's not going to walk into Trinity Church, most likely. He can if he wants to. He's God. But he's most likely not going to walk in and have a seat right here on the front pew because most people want to sit in the back, and so Jesus probably would too. But it's a different experience. And with that in mind, I think he writes this to them. Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I think this is a both an application and also an observation. Right? Have you ever been going through a trial and you felt like God wasn't there? Raise your hand. You ever felt that? Hey, just about everybody in the room. Um, because there are times where God is quiet or silent, where God is doing something in our life, but we don't, we don't feel it. We don't sense him. We, we wonder. And I think Peter says, like, it's in those moments. Will you focus on Jesus? Will you focus on the love that you know he has for you? Will you focus on the love you have for him? Because like he's already said, you're not always going to have answers. But he has promised, I am always with you until the end of the age. He has just said about the Father, he is watching over you until the time comes for your inheritance. There's all these promises that he's there. And I think he says, I want you to remember, focus on all of the things that I'm telling you about testing but as you're going through it, will you focus on him? Remember the Lord Jesus. Remember that love. Remember you are moving towards salvation. That's where this whole thing is going. The full inheritance, the full salvation of your souls. That's where we're going. And let it take you through that. Because what we focus on has a lot of significance. It can drive us. It can encourage us. Um, I want to tell you about an Irishman named Gareth who lives in Ireland today, central Ireland. And he had a dream. It was not Martin Luther's dream, but it was a different dream. He had a dream. He wanted to get into the Guinness Book of World Records. From a young kid, he saw names and he wanted to get in there. So in 2006, he began to collect Deadpool memorabilia. Most of you know what Deadpool is. Comic strip, became a Marvel movie, Ryan Reynolds, um, a little different than most Marvel movies. Um, but he started collecting Deadpool memorabilia. And in 2016, he had just under 2,000 pieces of memorabilia, from comic books to spatulas to a pot to put a plant in, to a life-sized figure of Deadpool in his Deadpool cave that he had. It wasn't enough to get him in. So he kept going. And finally, this year, 2023, he has over 2,200 objects of Deadpool. And he has now made it. He is in the Guinness Book of World Records 
and he has focused for 17 years on this. He was an alcoholic, he gave up alcohol, and he's using the money to buy Deadpool memorabilia. (laughs) One of the reasons he likes Deadpool, as he said in a quote, that this character went through so many hardships that shaped him, that I feel like I can relate. Um, Interesting, that's kind of what we're talking about right now is the hardships we go through. So apparently we're all like Deadpool. Just take that with you from your sermon. (laughs) But this guy put all of his focus into this because what we focus on is where things go. It's where our mind goes. It's where our money goes. It's all of it. And, And Peter says, put your focus on Christ, on his love for you, on your love for him. I know you can't see him right now, but he is with you all the time. Focus on that. When I was in middle school, I think it was seventh grade. Oh, maybe even sixth grade. Um, we were having a spelling test. And like most kids my age, I was both smart and dumb. Um, I learned my words, and I knew them all, and I did my spelling test, but I knew that my friend, who was a couple desks behind me, didn't know his words very well. So, after I finished my test, I got a slightly larger piece of paper, and I wrote out the words, so they were kind of big, and then I did this, and then I'd set them down, and then I held them back up again. (laughs) And I put them back down. (laughs) Then I held them back up again. And as you can imagine, eventually, the teacher was standing at my desk. (laughs) Because, you know, again, I'm smart, I knew my words, and I'm dumb. Somehow I thought she wouldn't notice that I was doing this. (laughs) Um, and, And here's the thing. I really wanted my friend to pass this test. But even if my friend had passed the test, did he learn anything from it? other than how to cheat off of the paper that I was holding up. (laughs) No. We have to go through these. It is part of life. You will go through tests. You won't get around them. No matter your age, no matter how long you follow the Lord, you will go through tests. How will you go through them? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you are with us And as we think about the struggles and the trials, the things we're going through right now, the things maybe we've gone through and the things we know we're going to go through, Lord, help us to take the pastoral wisdom that Peter offers us in both understanding trials and tests, but also in how to go through them, that we might come out stronger, that we might bring honor and glory to you, We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.